in chapters four, five, and six. That's correct? right, folks. Um, yeah, this is this was definitely one of my favorite sections that we've done so far. Oh yeah, easily. Yeah, easily, easily. There's some wild stuff that goes down in this chapter. You all might know what happens, but it's different in the books. Yeah, stride. yeah, it's definitely different different feel. I think for for a lot of it, um, but all just really really powerful. I think mm -hmm. um, even even in the like, there's a obviously that same kind of thing that we're getting used to, where the there's just a difference between kind of frantic, you know, battle or whatever is going on, and then kind of like a peaceful reflection on nature. Mm -hmm. um, and both are really compelling. Yeah, Tolkien really hits his extremes with both being able to describe a really intense battle and looming suspense and also extremely quiet and peaceful and beautiful. And that's why we're going to get into it. Yeah, so um, I was kind of thinking that uh, I could do a journey in the dark, just cover that a little bit. I'll leave Bridge of Casa Doom for you, and then we can just kind of tag team Little Florian. Let's do it. Um, all right, so as I said, chapter four, that's where we're starting off today. It's called A Journey in the Dark. Uh, the <clears throat> gang were left off with a gang kind of just coming down from that pass that they were just uh, trying to get through um, with it all being snowy and everything. So they're trying to figure out what their other options are. They agree after a little bit of debate and kind of second guessing that they're going to take Gandalf's original plan and go through this path that leads through the mines of Moria. Um, no one in this party except Gimli is very excited about doing this. Yeah, Gimli's real pumped because yeah. he thinks he's going to see his cousin, um, Balin. And uh, Aragorn is hesitant at best. Aragorn yeah. is really, he really doesn't want to go in there. Yeah, absolutely. The And it, I mean, there's a there's a few things that, that happen right away. Um, Boromir is like, hey, let's just go around the mountain. Let's go south. Gandalf basically says, no, we can't do that. We can't go closer to Rohan. We have to go either over the mountains or under them. Um, there's also the option kind of laid out there that like, if we don't do this, then what we're going to have to do is just go back to Rivendell and the hobbits are like, at least Pippin, Mary and Sam are like, all right, <laughs> like kind of hoping that that's the yeah, path that they take. Bit, yeah. So that's where the hobbits kind of stand. Um, and Aragorn is very, very, like you'd said, just kind of not. He's like, let's really, let's not do this. And he goes so far as to make this really ominous warning to Gandalf specifically um, that stands out uh, where he he kind of tells Gandalf singularly, not as a group, but it, he says, it is not the ring nor of us that I am thinking now, but of you, Gandalf. And I say to you, if you pass the doors of Moria, beware. So it's just this really kind of ominous feel right away in this chapter. But they don't have any other way to go. So, yeah, the idea to go through Moria is definitely a Gandalf heat check because he's saying that like he's been there before and he's basically doing all this off of a memory from a thousand years ago, the last time he was in Moria, back right. when Durin still ran it or ran it. And remember, Durin is um, the famous um, dwarf patriarch who basically sired like pretty much all dwarves throughout Middle Earth. But in Durin's day, the mines of Moria were really like great, thriving, yeah, thriving. Yeah. And that's kind of what Gandalf. Gandalf knows that they've been dormant for a while, but at least in his brain. The reason he's pushing is because he remembers it to the best of his knowledge. And because and and the they don't have any other options. And they really don't, yeah. And, and that's kind of cemented when they're like, all right, well, let, let's sleep on this, sleep on this decision. When at that point, there's like a, a gang of wolves show, show up and they have to fight off these wolves and Gandalf is lighting up trees in this circle around them, causing yeah. this like ring of fire. Gandalf does this super sick spell where he calls it, um, he just summons it and 
suddenly a dash of like orange light shoots into the air and ignites all the weapons in the company with glowing orange. What? Really wild. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he calls a spell. There was a roar and a crackle. The tree above him burst into a leaf and bloom of blinding flame. The fire leapt from treetop to treetop. The whole hill was crowning in dazzling light. The swords, knives, and the swords and knives of the defenders shone and flickered and glow. The last arrow of Legolas kindled in the air as it flew. Oh, plunged, okay. And well, plunged into the burning heart of a wolf. Okay, I guess I I thought of that more as like you could see the fire off of the reflection of the swords, and like Legolas shooting an arrow caught fire by going through it. I thought he was like actually like summoning it to this. Cool well, that would be cooler. Um, I like that interpretation. <laughs> Uh, okay. Anyway, the, the gang beats off these wolves and at that point they're like, all right, well, we're just going to get hunted out here. So let's go into these mines and kind of roll the dice there. So they make their way to the Western gate where they find that this stream that Gandalf had been looking for kind of as a, a way marker had been dammed up and created this big black kind of stagnant lake that sat in front of this western wall of Moria. Uh, so they have to make their way around this lake, at which point Gandalf tells Sam, hey Sam, you have to let our poor pony Bill go because we're, we can't take him to the mines with us. Great it, call. It, great, it's, a great, it's a great call. What's really sad about it though is there's no like, there's no hope for this pony. Oh no, this pony's so boned, dude. <laughs> everyone's, like, everyone's like, well, let's hope that he uh, doesn't get eaten by wolves too soon. Like, he, everyone just knows that this pony isn't going to survive. And, and Sam's like, no, it's so sad. And I'm just imagining because Gandalf goes to the pony and like says some spell that's supposed to guide him back to Rivendell. And I'm just imagining Gandalf is just like bullshitting to get Sam to shut the pony. Oh, don't up. worry. I have, a, I have a Rivendell go home spell. I'm going to tell pony. And he's like, oh, fuck, this, this pony's so done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's like, like murmuring something in his ear like, oh, he's speaking Elvis, but it's Elvis for like, okay go away <laughs> exactly and and sam's like thanks gandalf and gandalf's just like whatever let's get in this fucking mountain we, we have bigger fish to fry exactly so they get to this they get to this wall and as we've discovered from our trip in the hobbit dwarf gates and doors are largely invisible just to the naked eye and it's the same with this one um so they don't see the actual gate uh, that they need to get through until the moon comes out um, and is shining against this wall and then illuminates the outline of this entrance. Um, and above this entrance is written in an elvish script. It says, speak, friend, and enter. Uh, and Gandalf <laughs> is basically just like, all right, well, it's pretty simple. Um, it's telling me as their friend that I need to just say the password and I can go in. And everyone's like, oh, great. So what is it, Gandalf? And he's like, I didn't think about this. <laughs> like, I thought you were here before. What happened? He's like, I didn't come in through this way, Boromir. You dumb yeah. shit. <laughs> like, yeah, Boromir is just like, what's up, bro? <laughs> like, Gandalf, you, you let us here and didn't even know the password. Also, I'm getting major vibes from the Hobbit when they just had to be told that the light of the moon is going to show them the way. Yeah, and then they just ignored that for yep. an entire chapter until they realized it at the last minute. I'm getting major something about dwarven doors being lit up by the moon stumps all of Tolkien's characters every time no one can just figure it out it's yeah i mean there's plenty of things that everybody remembers and it's just kind of commonplace in this world mm -hmm. like the fact that elves and dwarves can hold on to a grudge for so long and somehow they don't remember that moons are the secret sauce to opening up dwarves. every door <laughs> every mountain door is, like elves is, and dwarves this is just one example but elves and dwarves have been holding on to the memory of some wrongdoing for thousands of years and somehow they can't remember the one way to get into 
a dwarf door. Like, it's just dumb. And this is the first time that we really see that Gandalf was really talking out of his ass when he said he knew what was up with Moria. Oh, dude, yeah. I mean, he's Gandalf is way over his skis here. And, and that's saying something because he's Gandalf. Yeah. And he's super knowledgeable and super powerful. But he was pretty much like, guys, Moria, not that big of a deal. Is it dangerous? Yes. Do I know the way? Of course. We're going to do it. And then this is like, he's like, well, we're, we can't even get in. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> huge issue. So there's a few pages in this chapter where they sit around just kind of like waiting around the door. Yeah, they're just thinking of what the password could be. Meanwhile, as I mentioned, Boromir's like sassing Gandalf oh, and is yeah. like, why didn't you know? Blah, blah, blah. Gandalf is like, hey, you're a fucking idiot. Go away. Hey, Boromir, let me think, my guy. Right. And so Boromir gets like all aggro and takes like a rock and throws it into this lake. At which so point funny. they start seeing like these ripples forming towards the shoreline. Oh, yeah, not good. And they're like, it's just pretty ominous. Finally, Gandalf remembers and is like, oh, it's just the like the word for like friend in Elvish. And it is Gandalf in the book, whereas in the movies, I believe it's Frodo. Yeah. Who like just figures out this kind of riddle. But they get the doors to open as they're all like starting to kind of move towards the door. This tentacle leaps out of this stagnant lake and grabs Frodo by the ankle and starts dragging him back in. And Sam seems to be the only one who like jumps out at this tentacle and just starts hacking at it with his with his sword. He frees Frodo and these tentacles, 20 or more of them come out of the water and start trying to like, grab things. But they all make it into the door, slam the door shut behind them. And so then they find themselves in Moria as Gandalf starts thinking like it's a little strange that Frodo was the one that this lake monster was reaching out towards. Mm. I found that really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of an interesting breaking point <clears throat> in this in this chapter because it seems like a pretty logical place to end one chapter and start another one. But this chapter keeps going. The chapter keeps going and it's a little uh, indicative of like how the actual company feels because they get in and they were thinking like, oh, if Bond's here, that'd be great. It'll be like all set up for us. They get in there, pitch black. It's yeah. obvious that no one has been in here for years. Like it's just abandoned and dark. The only light they have is Gandalf's staff as he like leads them deeper and deeper into the mine. Right. Which is, which is interesting. I think when reading this to just kind of try to remember, especially as somebody coming from watching the movies for so long, it's like, obviously you need light to shoot a movie, but if you're going to do this like correctly, like, like really by the just letter of the law, you would really not really see anything for no. like their whole trip through Moria. Yeah. Cause it's all black. The issue, I mean, they're going up and down stairs and Gandalf has said he's like guiding them along by like moving his staff, like a walking stick at some points. There's just gaping holes that lead into the abyss everywhere. Yeah. And like just gigantic chasms that they have to maneuver. It's really, I mean, just kind of like a, I think the best word that you can use to describe Moria at this point is it's just a labyrinth. It's like yeah. a gigantic pitch black maze that they're trying to navigate. But what ends up happening is they get to a point where Gandalf, they get to a kind of a fork in their road and Gandalf has to decide, okay, I have to go one of three ways, you know, right, straight, left. And before he decides which way to go, they say, okay, let's, let's stay here for the night. There's a little guard room off to the side here off to the side of this entrance that we need to go to. So they stay in this room and there's this well described that again, like these other holes just goes down into nothingness. Mm -hmm. It seems like, and Pippin is especially just enthralled with this. 
just just amazed. Pippin has some all-time five-year-old brain in this moment where he's just like, like he's described that he just had a desire, like an urge just to throw a rock in this well. Which I understand. I mean, I'm kind of with him on that. Like, that's the first thing I'd want to do, too. He'd be like, what would happen if I threw this big rock in this well? And then he does it, and then it just keeps going and going. Yeah. And then it splashes really loud, and Gandalf's like, who did that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's exactly what happens, is Pippin drops a rock down this hole, and... It's like no, nothing really bad happens immediately. You can hear something like as they keep saying in the depths. So you you know that something reacted to this, but it isn't made immediately as an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Gandalf kind of is like, Pippin, you fucking idiot. Like, why the hell would you do that? For that, you're on first watch tonight. <laughs> like Immediately. Stay just- up. And Pippin's like, oh, shucks. <laughs> like, Damn it. So Pippin takes the first watch and eventually Gandalf takes over for him and stays up all night smoking his pipe and thinking about which way he needs to go. Yeah, because also they've just been sitting there. There's three doors and Gandalf is just like, oh, yeah, I super don't remember anything about this place anymore. Mm -hmm. Like he does when he realizes, like, I think to himself, probably like, okay, I, yeah, we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. So, so the next day they, they set out after they all wake up and it's, it's during this little period that Gandalf and Gimli um, kind of together tell everybody else, kind of recount the history of Moria. So as you'd said before in Doran's day, this was the mightiest stronghold, like city in the Dwarven, Dwarven kingdom. Like it was just, it was incredible. And the reason for this is that they were mining for mithril, which is like a, a silvery kind of metallic ore that mm-hmm. you can forge really easily because um, it bends like copper, they say, but it's stronger than like than iron and so it's it's really 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 valuable and they go so far as to explain that um gandalf says i gave a shirt of mail made of mithril to bilbo in his journey to the lonely mountain that shirt of mail is worth more than everything in the shire put together at which point frodo's like checks his collars like, yeah fuck <laughs> like, <laughs> holy holy shit so he doesn't tell anybody that it's there but they go on to describe basically that this mithril which was the source of the dwarves wealth in moria was also their downfall because they became a little too greedy and they dug a little too deep for it and they unleashed this kind of unspoken thing this evil that they refer to as duran's bane uh, but they don't go into too much detail at that point as to what that is they kind of leave it up in the air but Basically, what happens is, as they're walking along telling this story, they're finding their way through these magnificent halls. They're just gigantic halls where you can see there's just excellent handiwork done by dwarves. They eventually find their way to a room, another room, where in the center, there is a massive tomb that says, here lies Balin. And they realize, okay, Balin died here. We're not seeing any dwarves. What's going to happen next? So that's kind of more or less where the chapter ends um, because I don't believe it's, it's until the next chapter starts that they start getting into what actually happened to Balin and the rest of his posse. Yeah. So, so Balin, the finding of Balin's tomb is the direct end of the chapter. You know, Frodo says, so he is dead. Mm-hmm. And then Gimli covers his face. He's obviously, there had been suspicions whether or not Balin and co died yeah but it was and i feel like gimli always held out hope that they were still at least like kicking yeah you, or not. you like, have to yeah you can't expect moria to be like back Mm-mm. but you, you you don't want to just assume that like your family said so, so gimli takes it really hard chapter five the bridge of khazad doom starts with them 
morning ball and trying to figure out, okay, what happened in the last hours of the dwarves? And Gandalf finds the book of record on Balin's tomb. It's extremely old. They're realizing that Balin's death happened a long, long time ago. Happened so long ago that the record book is like smudged and there's pages ripped out. Some of it's burned. But we get a really spooky passage about what might have happened to them. And I'll just read a passage from the book. It is grim reading, Gandalf said. I fear their end was cruel. Listen, we cannot get out. We cannot get out. They have taken the bridge in second hall. Frar and Loni and Nalin fell there. Then there are four lines smeared so that I can only read went down five days ago. Then the last line run. The pool is up to the wall at Westgate. The watcher and the water took Oin. So there's another person from Thorin's Co. that died here, Oin. We cannot get out. The end comes. And then drums, drums in the deep. I wonder what that means, Gandalf says. The last thing written in the trailing scrawl of elf letters. They are coming. There was nothing. Gandalf stood silent in thought. Like, basically, they just get, it's just super ominous. Like, this guy's scribbling it as fast as he can while he's writing down this record of just pure panic. They're coming for us, and then nothing. And that's, like, the last entry in this book. And yeah, it's, it, like, it gave me shivers reading it. I, I was, it's so brilliantly put together. And the fact, that, like, the Tolkien's decision to smudge out things was so brilliant mm -hmm. like the fact that you know you can't read everything but everything that you need to scare you is there oh yeah it was so perfect and it completely matches this whole tone from this section of the book where it's like just in complete and utter darkness like you don't know what's going on so at any moment you're just hoping nothing jumps out at our gang and murders them and so it's totally fitting that you find a book and the entirety of it isn't really clear. Oh, no. Like, you don't even know what came for them. All mm -hmm. you know is that some overwhelming force totally got them. Yep. Gandalf suspects orcs and then he starts hearing noises that sound like orcs. There's a beating drum beat, just doom, 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 described in the book just throughout this. So they hear that in the distance. Also an interesting choice of uh, onomatopoeia. Yeah. Doom. Great, great onomatopoeia choice by Tolkien. Mm -hmm. um, it's perfectly fitting and it is extremely rhetorical for what they're dealing with. They're dealing with doom here. Yeah. So basically Gandalf is like, okay, everyone, was this a bad idea? Yeah, that's on me. You need to bail. And there's a, they're in, so they're in this tomb and there's a back passage that they can escape through and a front door. And Gandalf basically says, go through the back door, I'll board up here and defend it. Aragorn says, no way, we're not leaving you behind. And has a really cool line. This passage on the side plunges straight down the stair. It plainly does not lead back towards the hall, but it is no good flying blindly the way with the pursuit just behind. We cannot block the door. It is key, The key is gone and the lock is broken and it opens inward. We must do something to delay the enemy first. We will make them fear the chamber of Marzabul. And the chamber of Marzabul is obviously Balin's tomb. But basically Aragorn kind of just takes over and is like, look, Gandalf, like you brought us this far. We got to actually stand and fight. So they start hearing the drums. They can hear orc noises coming. And they board up the door and Aragorn kind of has rear guard by that back entrance and ready to bust it open just in case they have to leave. So orcs break through and they have a really big battle with the fellowship. Gimli stands on the tomb and just starts swinging his axe. He's pissed because mm -hmm. these are the same orcs that we have to presume. There's a, a revenge game. For, oh, big time for Gimli. Big revenge game. He's wearing black. It's a funeral. <laughs> and when they're fighting, they think the fighting is done. They break back the, the orcs. Uh, and then one, a black, an orc in all black armor jumps through at the last second and takes his spear and stabs Frodo. Or we think he stabs Frodo. He pins him against the wall with his spear. And then Sam in a rage breaks his spear with his sword and Aragorn takes Anduil and splits the skull of the orc. And it is said that he clovered his head, which is a really cool choice of words from Tolkien to say that he, this orc got fucked up. Yeah. Absolutely. Clovering someone's head. I mean, you can, you can imagine it like, 
I just like split into four. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's pretty gruesome and uh, lovely use of the English language to get me there. <laughs> and yeah, really bad. But basically they're like, they're, they're, they're ready to like say like, okay, Frodo just died, but Frodo's right. like good. And he's like, I'm good. I can walk. And Gandalf's like, I don't know what the fuck is happening, but we, we don't have go. time to discuss it. Yep. If you can walk, let's go. And they go through the back. Gandalf is um, using a lot of magic to fend off the orcs. And he talks about how he's, he can feel himself weakening. Cause like, orcs will come over here. He blasts them with magic to like push them back. And it's, it's obviously taking a lot of wear and tear on him. They go through the great hall and there's orcs on their tail and they reach the bridge of Khazad doom, which is a, at the end of the great hall, it's kind of like a safety valve that the um, dwarves had to bottleneck enemies in case they somehow managed to breach their gate. They would all have to go on this bridge to go. It's a really thin, only one person can cross at a time. Classic medieval defense. Yeah. Just make people come in single file. Just make them come in single file so you can just get hacked at and it would never work. But this is actually very advantageous for their escape. So mm -hmm. they all go across. Gandalf is the very last and they're all getting up to the door. And then all of a sudden, all the orcs that were chasing them stop at once and flee. And everyone's like, okay, what was that? And they start hearing footsteps louder bigger and then a beast comes from the back and it's a thing we've never seen anymore and legolas is immediately freaked out he knows what it is he says it's a balrog and is a and we learn that a balrog is a very very ancient evil beast pure evil yeah. it has the form of a man but with horns and wings and it's made completely of shadow and flame and in the movies i thought they did a perfect visualization for what it was described yeah in the it, was, book. it was awesome yeah and but it's like seven stories tall it's enormous and it has a sword made of flame and mm -hmm. a flaming whip it's just a huge devil it's creature. a demon yeah it's, it's a massive massive pure evil demon it's and this is what we find out was Durin's bane and we know it because as soon as uh legolas calls it the balrog like gimli says under his breath Durin's bane like right. he's like oh my god this is what got him yep and, and what got ballin and all those oh, guys it, too. This, this is this is what got him and yep and so the balrog shows up orcs are gone they are not handling this gandalf tells Aragorn and uh, Boromir to just take everyone and just bail. He's like, I will take this. They want to stay, but he kind of, and then he just says, no, that this is my fight. And this is when we get the famous standoff with Gandalf and the Balrog. And Gandalf is actually like squaring up with it. He, the Balrog swings his sword at him, but he's able to deflect it mm -hmm. with, um, uh, Glamdring. Yeah. Glamdring foe hammer. And basically Gandalf says like, you cannot pass. I am the fire of this mountain. Like you are the flame of Undul. You have to obey my commands. And the Balrog is just like flame of Udun. Like, uh. <laughs> yeah. And he finally does the, you cannot pass mm -hmm. and stabs his staff into the ground. And he does <laughs> like it through the bridge. <laughs> he does it through the bridge and a, his, he does it so powerfully. His staff shatters mm -hmm. and it shoots a beam of white light up and down completely through the bridge. And the, since the Balrog was standing on that part of the bridge, he just immediately crumbles and just goes straight down. Mm -hmm. And at the last second, he like whips up and grabs Gandalf and Gandalf does the line. Fly, you fools. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, what's what I liked about that, too, is I'm just imagining in this situation, like in the movie, obviously, Gandalf is like grabbing onto the edge of this bridge. <laughs> I'm just imagining Gandalf like falling down this pit. Fly, you fools. Yeah, that is how it's described. In the book. Yeah, <laughs> because if if a Balrog is is grabbing you by the ankle with his whip and pulling you with him. Like you're not going to have a chance to grab or hold on to it. <laughs> no, 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 sorry. No, no, sorry, dude. No, but essentially Gandalf goes down and everyone and like Frodo looks around and like everyone is just sobbing. Yeah. And Aragorn kind of just takes the reins. It's like we are getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. Luckily at this point, they're really close to the exit. They're so. like on the door. So they bring him out. And as soon as they bring him into the light, they, they realize that they have no concept of time in Moria. They don't know what 
day it is. They don't know what time of day it is. They, they get walk out. out into the afternoon sunlight. Yeah, they walk out and it's just a beautiful day. It's mm-hmm. just a beautiful day on the other side, on the eastern end of the, um, of the Misty Mountains. And there's a really great line to end the chapters. They look back, dark yawned the archway of the gate under the mountain shadow. Faint and far beneath the earth rolled the slow drumbeats, doom. A thin black smoke trailed out. Nothing else was to be seen. The dale all around the company was empty. Doom. Grief at last wholly overcame them, and they wept long. Some standing and silent, some cast upon the ground. Doom, doom. The drumbeats faded. And that's how the end of, that's how the chapter ends. It's absolutely insane. That standoff was one of the most intense things I've ever read. When you realize like how awful the Balrog is. Yeah, I mean, it's a great, it's a great, great, great chapter. I mean, you get everything that you want out of a fantasy book. It's like you get up until this point, the greatest evil power mm-hmm. that you could get against the greatest power for good that we know of being mm-hmm. Gandalf. So it's like that big hitter standoff. Oh yeah. That you just want to see the whole time. Like it's great. Like our guys fighting orcs and stuff. That's awesome. I love reading that too. Fighting off wolves. Great. But it's like these moments that you're like, okay, this is the headliner fight. Like, yeah. This is the heavy. And and the thing is like, we haven't known what actually brought down Durin since the Hobbit. The dwarves don't know because it's yeah. such a secretive ancient evil and it's just like lost in the minds. They just don't know what happened. All they know, know it as is some something so evil. It's called Durin's Bane. And yeah. now you finally see it. And like, yeah, and it's, it's crazy that, like, you know, it's bad when like Legolas is immediately freaked out. Like someone who's seen so much and is so old. The fact that he is really upset is that's that should be a pretty telling thing. Yeah. And just one thing I wanted to mention, too, um, just to make sure before I forget. One thing Frodo noticed as they were walking through Moria is he was hearing footsteps behind them. And at one point before he was going to bed one night, he thought he saw oh, right. two like lights in the distance shining like eyes looking at them. Um, and so we'll see a little bit more of this of this following creature behind us. So <clears throat> I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that before we moved on. Yep. Um, but I, I think if you just want to, I'm thinking we just go through Lothlorien right now. Let's do it. And then we can circle back and just kind of hit on some of our takeaways from each of those chapters. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So we pick up basically coming out of the mines of Moria and Gandalf, or sorry, um, Aragorn is leading the gang on just a tyrannical pace. Yes. And Frodo and Sam are both injured. Sam got gashed in the head and Frodo got pinned to a wall by this absolute hoss of an orc yeah <laughs> and and so they start lagging behind and they start noticing it like okay well we need to rest let's get let's get the group together let's kind of just recharge our batteries a little bit so at that point aragorn treats sam's wound and he's like frodo i can't believe you're alive by the way like i didn't say anything until now because i completely forgot about it you yeah know, with our like best friend dying and all but like holy shit how are you alive and frodo's like ah oh, don't worry about it i'm totally cool he's like well i'm gonna have to treat your stab wound you got absolutely <laughs> obliterated with a spear in the right. ribs and he like lifts it up and obviously that's when he's like oh you sneaky bitch yeah yeah you're like, wearing a mithril male shirt yeah <laughs> gimli's just like what oh, gimli is like oh you rascal yeah he's, everybody's like, just kind of like oh you you hobbits there's more to you than meets the eye it's gonna be a common theme yeah it's like you well gimli's also like we were talking about how a shirt of mithril male is worth more than the shire and you've been walking around with the entire shire's checking account on your right on your back and he's like yeah i didn't want to say anything but and, and aragorn at least is like well you know what we're glad you have it if anyone needs to be wearing uh a mithril male shirt it's got to be the ring bearer yeah absolutely so they get going again after they treat those wounds and they make their way towards the forest of lothlorien 
which is an ancient elvish wood that has been more or less untouched from the outside world just because these elves guard its borders so well and keep out anything really that isn't them. So it's described, I think at some point Frodo describes it as kind of going back in the past, having this understanding of like, this is an ancient place, but not feeling like taken out of time. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's like a primeval forest that like really hasn't been disturbed and has been just doing its thing for so long. And, you know, it's at this point that Aragorn really takes the mantle as like, I'm in charge now because Boromir tries to be like, well, I don't like the idea of going through an elven forest. Last time we went through the dwarvish thing and it ended obviously terribly. And Aragorn kind of ironically kind of does what Gandalf does and is like, look. What are the other ways we go? We go around this thing in the open plains where we know wolves. We're going to get hunted down by like, okay, this, these orcs that we encountered in Moria, they're not done. Yeah. They didn't just like scare us out of their caves and like, just be like, okay, they're gone. No, they are coming out of the mountain and hunting us now. And he's like, he's like, look, we have an elf with us. He can probably help. He's like, I'm elf friend. Yeah. I speak elvish. This is literally our best chance. And then Boromir's like, oh, remember, remember, no one listens to me. Remember. Yeah. Boromir's just being a tool. Anyway, the, basically what happens is there's a, there's a lot that goes on here. Um, it's it's more of just kind of a a traveling chapter for a lot of it where they get to this really beautiful stream and Legolas says like oh walk through it it's it's you know shallow enough to walk through it'll heal heal you from being tired from the road which it does it's just got it, this whole place just has this magical quality mm-hmm. to it but at some point in traveling into this forest they get to a point where they're like okay we need to sleep for the night where are we going to sleep and someone comes up with the idea of, okay, well, we don't want to be on the ground. Let's sleep in the trees to hide from the, these orcs that are inevitably coming for us. So Legolas is like, love that plan. I love climbing trees. I've done it all my life, but I've never climbed this one. I'm going to do that and let you guys know how it goes. So Legolas sky jumps um, up to one of these tree branches. And as he does that, there's elves already in this tree that are like, yeah. what's up, bro? <laughs> They're like, uh, hey. What are you doing in my tree, bro? If we are going to continue along with our uh, just reenactment of all elves just being bros. Huge chads. Yes, I, I love it. It's just like, oh, hey, bro, we saw the rest of you verges like walking along the forest floor. What's going on? What are you dorks doing in our woods? <laughs> like, But the point is they said, we know who you are. Um, we've heard of people coming this way. We need to talk to Frodo. So we're going to have Legolas because you're an elf and Frodo come up in the tree. And naturally, Sam just kind of follows behind. So the elves are standing up on the... It also continues this great, like, uh, just reaction of, like, anytime they're like, we need the ring bearer. And then Sam also shows up, they're just like, fine. (laughs) (laughs) They just tolerate Sam. Just because, like, he's like, they literally know he's, like, the most harmless person ever. They're like, whatever. No, no question. Every time Sam is just there, people are like either all about it or just forget about it. Yeah, like, okay, so this elf, like, the main elf here is, like, named Haldir. And Haldir's like, bro, play a Who's the Hobbit? What, what is this guy? Get your boy. <laughs> Who's man's? Who's man's this? <laughs> yeah. So, but they they have these platforms that they refer to as flets mm-hmm. built up in these trees with a hole around the, like the trunk of the tree that they can drop these ladders down. So they climb up into this into these trees, and they get they determine okay, you guys can stay here tonight. We'll keep you. We'll keep guard, and you can rest here for the night, and then we'll figure out what we're going to do tomorrow. So they stay there up in these platforms for the night. The whole gang. We get another run in with this creepy creature with these two eyes who Frodo thinks he hears climbing up the tree, he sees these eyes kind of coming up the tree and then turning around and going back down. Um, and they hear a party of orcs going by and like, they're just 
it's it's just like thank fucking god that we found somewhere where people are like let's help you out yeah because if not i don't know how long like aragorn like, if it was just aragorn i think he would have been fine but trying to drive this posse of let's just call them not supposed to be here kind of guys yeah. <laughs> like there's no chance they survive this part of the book oh hell no dude like even as good as aragorn is and boromir's a great fighter gimli holds his own legolas is obviously badass but they have four like liabilities with them yeah. that are just yeah no no question and honestly smarter frodo when he sees like the eyes he tells someone like see something say something my guy like I tells know. an elf he's like hey uh there's something creepy here can you go look for it? and they're like yeah and then when they do that that's when they also find the orcs yeah and basically the next morning they get a scouting report from the um from them and they're like hey so you know that thing that creepy thing with the eyes you said so we definitely saw it we don't know what it is and it evaded our capture it wasn't something- an orc but it didn't walk like a man or a hobbit yeah something about what is obviously Gollum. yeah just even we can just go out go ahead and see the amount of the amount of i I just don't know i i kind of want to air this now what is it about Gollum that just makes him so elusive to elves like the amount of times Gollum has just bamboozled the elves like well like why didn't you shoot at it like well we didn't know if it was a friend they're like bro you were about to nuke us if you didn't know that we were like part of like he also said like even if we did know we didn't want to risk the yelp and like alert orcs but i see i know what you're saying I would go a step further and just say, what is it about Gollum that makes him so elusive to everyone? Yeah. He made his way by himself through Moria. Yeah. What the fuck? That is a trip, dude. Yeah. Was he already in Moria? Was he like, did he get across the bridge before Gandalf blew it? I don't know. Did he take a different well, like route the, well, out? The orcs can follow them out. I feel like he can find his way out too. That's very true. But I'm just like, what the fuck is going on with this, this guy thing? is a fucking survivor and he is. He's hellbent. He, he's a meth addict. He's a meth addict just looking for that sweet, sweet glass. My guy is just on a coke binge or a crack binge. Just creepy as shit. And yeah, he's not, man. It's not fun. Anyway, that's our that's our golem spiel for it. But they also said, like, hey, we also found those orcs. We killed them all. Don't worry about it. They're gone. Yeah, like, the remaining or we're hunting them down or whatever. Yeah. Like, a lot of them fled. We're going to get them. Don't worry about orcs, my guys. It's yeah, all good. Yeah. Like, there, there was, there, like, it was like, you, like, you were right to be afraid, but, you know, your yeah. bros got you, bro. So they won't be coming around here no more. Let's just say that. So it's at this point that we get into this part of the chapter. That's my absolute favorite part of the books, books, Hobbit and fellowship that we've read so far, where first of all, it's important to point out the elves are like, we're going to take you to our leaders deeper into the forest, but you're outsiders, specifically you dwarf. So we're going to have to blindfold you because dwarfs don't look at, we we don't let dwarfs into this forest. And Gimli's like, no. Gimli's obviously like, no. Gimli's like, I'm not going to do that. You're not going to blindfold me. Like, this is so dumb. And Legolas is like, come on, bro, take the blindfold. And And this, I'm so glad that you brought this up earlier because you said something like Aragorn just taking over and kind of telling Boromir when he's he's done. Because I had it in my notes, like, Gimli and Legolas are children they are children in this and thing. aragorn is dad he's that because he pulled the classic move of oh you're fighting over a toy no one gets a toy he literally says like so so first of all a little bit backwards <clears throat> when boromir tries to propose some awful alternate plan aragorn Luce says i am to lead this company and you shall follow my path mm-hmm. and now gimli's like i'm not getting blindfolded and aragorn proposes no worries we will all be equal and we will all be blindfolded to which legolas says i'm not gonna be blindfolded and and aragorn's like well you were pretty cool with blindfolding gimli a little bit ago so how about you sack up and just do this and it's at this point where they all agree to be blindfolded the whole company gets blindfolded that tolkien 
reaches into his good old bag of tricks and just starts laying on basically just honey on paper. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's so pleasing to read to me. It's like, it's as if you're reading what heaven on earth would be. Because, first of all, it's a great trick by Tolkien to say, I'm going to cover the eyes of the people that you're following along this journey so that you're going to get a few paragraphs of me exploring descriptive writing that has nothing to do with sight. Mm -hmm. So you get some you get some of these descriptions from Frodo's perspective where he's smelling the forest and hearing what's going on around him. And it has nothing to do with what he's seeing. Yeah. He, he feels um, how soft the forest floor is. And Herodrell tells them like, don't be cautious, just walk forward. You have to trust me and I'm going to lead you into the, into the part of the forest that we need to get to. And eventually everyone is like loosens up and just starts walking and they know that they're going in the right direction. And, the forest floor like doesn't present any obstacles. It doesn't trip them. It's just flat and cool and soft. And it's like yeah. something like you can just feel that when you're reading, you can feel it on the soles of your feet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, so they're, they're walking along and at, at some point a group of elves, a bigger group, the same one that was hunting these orcs comes up to them and says, we've heard from our masters, basically our Lord and lady, they know who these people are. They may have heard from Rivendell or something. Probably Elrond told them. Yeah. They're good. You can take the blindfold blindfolds off. It's all, it's all okay. And so they take the blindfolds off and reveal that they're right outside of this, what's referred to as a nath, which I looked up and I don't think it's a common word to describe anything. So that's something specific here, but at the hill of Saren Amroth, which is this ancient hill where this leader used to have his home, but now it's just described as these two rings of Malorn trees that sit upon this hill. And it's, it's just breathtaking how beautiful this is described. Um, and one thing I will say, I'm not going to get too much into doing all the descriptions that Tolkien does, because if you really want, like, I'm not going to do it justice, just go read the book. But <laughs> like as people are listening to this yeah right, right. but um don't worry folks i'll do it you probably won't, but i will <laughs> but uh, all i'm saying is like so the the malarn trees they're described as having silver basically like silvery gray trunks so the wood is a silvery gray and the leaves that it sprouts are gold now in the fall the leaves fall from the trees and lay across the forest floor so now you have a silver gray tree with a basically gold carpeted floor in the springtime, when the tree starts budding, it has gold flowers that it sprouts. So you're imagining walking through this forest with silver pillars going up to a ceiling of golden flowers, and you have a golden carpet, essentially, you're walking on. Yep. So the entire canopy is gold. This, the bark on the tree is all silver. And so you're basically just like, it's just pure, like, precious metal, but it's all natural and wooden and soft. Mm -hmm. And Frodo is just completely blown away by it he's never seen anything this beautiful and with with good reason it's one of the most beautiful places in middle earth mm -hmm. and i want to just read like this last passage of the chapter because it, it basically ends with them being introduced to the forest and just being stunned um at the hill's foot frodo found aragorn standing still and silent as a tree but his hand was a small golden bloom of eleanor and a light was in his eyes he was wrapped in some fair memory and as frodo looked at him he knew that he beheld things that he once held him before in this place for the grim years were removed from the face of aragorn and he seemed clothed in white a young lord tall and fair and he spoke words in the elvish tongue to whom frodo could not see 
Arwen Vanimelda Namari, he said, and then he drew his breath and returned out of his thought. He looked at Frodo and smiled. Here is the heart of Elvendom on earth, he said, and here my heart dwells forever. Unless there be a light beyond the dark roads that we still must tread, you and I, come with me. And taking Frodo's hand in his, he left the hill of Saren Amarth and came and came there never again as a living man. And that's how the chapter ends. And it's like those two paragraphs are straight up some of the best writing I have ever mm-hmm. laid my eyes on. It is so good. I gave myself chills reading it again. And I really like it for this one reason. The fact that Tolkien includes the last line and he left the hills of Sarah and Amroth and came there never again as a living man, even though he says in before, like my heart dwells here forever and I want to see it again. It's a really interesting way of saying like you never know when the last time you'll ever see anything or go anywhere is. Like, there's no way for you to know that. Yeah. And, and that's kind of a, there's, there's kind of a, an interesting theme of that throughout this chapter. Not necessarily in like, um, I don't know how to say it, but it, there's almost like this odd mortality that you kind of feel throughout the whole thing. Oh yeah. Um, with like the Malorn trees and it's falling and they talk about how the Elvish people are kind of dwindling and going away. And the, there's a point where when they get to Saren Amrath, Frodo and Haldir go up in one of the trees and they look out across the forest treetops of Lothlorien and then they look out into the distance too. And then they can see like, okay, first of all, I'm looking at Lothlorien and it's the most picturesque, beautiful thing I've ever seen, even in winter, which is when they're there. Mm. But they look off past in the distance and they are kind of brought back to the real world where it's like, this here is great, but we're here to deal with what's out there. So they look and they see the tower of like Dol Guldur in the distance, like far, far off. Like they can see essentially the mountains bordering Mordor from there. Like, it's this ominous feeling where it's like we are in a temporary state of perfection mm-hmm. <laughs> that isn't going to last. No. And it's just kind of Tolkien puts an exclamation mark on it with that last paragraph, I think. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I 100% agree. He really tries to show you how special this moment is for everyone in the company, whether or not it's like someone who really he doesn't afford a lot of like, I don't want to say charitable writing, but special attention to like Boromir. He's enjoying it and he mm-hmm. obviously didn't want to be blindfolded, but he's obviously like experiencing it now and he really puts a pin on aragorn who he kind of shows that aragorn is like very uniquely cultured for like being as rough and rugged as he is he really shares a special bond with the elven people and it's obviously because of his love for arwen and stuff but Mm -hmm. the idea that like he holds that in his heart so well that he's kind of a special person to share that with frodo someone who like obviously wants to see the world and took on this journey and they're kind of like companions in that Mm -hmm. like they're two people who could especially appreciate especially now with like gandalf being gone yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree. Um, all right. Do you want to do some takeaways from this from this chapter first and loop back and do the other two? Or do you want to go back to the first one? I think that's pretty much... Well, I don't really have too many takeaways from this chapter other than I've already said, just because it, it really is that last couple pages where they reveal Saren Amarth. Yeah, Amarth. I, I've only got a couple things. Um, the There's just one quote in here that's like, it, on top of what you said is probably one of my favorite parts of this. Um, and it's when Haldir's talking to Mary mm-hmm. on the way there. Um, and he's saying, I've like, I don't know what's going on in the Shire, but I want to go West. How is it for you guys living so far near the sea? And Mary's like, it's great. There's, there's Elven Havens just West of the Shire. And Haldir's like, oh my gosh, what are they like? Have you been there? And he's like, no, I've never gone. 
even if I knew what they were like, I don't think I would have risked leaving home for that. And Haldir says, The world is indeed full of peril, and in it there are many dark places, but still there is much that is fair, and though in all lands love is now mingled with grief, it grows perhaps the greater. And that, to me, is just... It's just a great way of saying, essentially, like, you can't just stay somewhere because it's comfortable. Yeah. Like, you have, you, you, we know from that and what you said with Aragorn, we can't just stay here. Like, we have to go face that dark world out there. Mm. Um, but I, I thought that was, I thought that was really nice. And he also, like, well, he does it without even telling him that he's wrong. He's like, look, you're right. It is dangerous outside of, like, your safe space. That's, but that's kind of the point because, mm-hmm. like, love grows the greater outside because it's, you appreciate it more. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's um, it's almost a cliche at this point yeah. to say, like, you know, like, what's sunshine without rain, that kind of thing. For sure. But, like, it's just put so beautifully here. Um, I just, it really stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. But um, what were you thinking as far as what struck you about the first chapter here that we we're talking about? A Journey in the Dark. Let's go back to chapter one, well, or chapter four, I should say. A Journey in the Dark kind of struck me as just like, yeah, like you were saying how, like, just the oppressive darkness would have been really hard to translate. And obviously, like, when Peter Jackson took up the mantle of making these into movies, he all the journeying parts that will take up pages in the book, but seconds on the screen, we, at least you get the benefit of, like, a really wide-angle landscape shot of the beautiful New Zealand topography. Mm-hmm. But in this chapter, it's, like, it's really just kind of like you're in your own head. Like, like, you don't know what it is. Like, you're being quiet, but you don't know why you're being quiet. There's obviously nothing down here, but you don't want to risk it. Like, it's this really weird... And it's kind of like why people are afraid of the dark, just like the mystery behind it. You know what's in there. Yeah. So I kind of like that aspect. Like even like Gandalf being like, I put a lot of I put a lot of like my own credibility into like bringing myself down here, and I just don't even know what I'm doing. Right. Like just the fact that they get to that triple fork on the road, and Gandalf is like, okay, well we have to rest here because I straight up do not know what to do. Yeah, for sure. And it's and like he doesn't not fear it because he hasn't been here before. He doesn't remember. He doesn't. He's afraid of it because it's that unknown. He's like, I don't know, and I am afraid of obviously choosing wrong. Yeah. No, I think that's a good takeaway. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna come out come away from anything from this chapter, it should be that any leader for this party is going to have flaws. Not everybody's gonna know exactly where to go. Tolkien's not gonna make it too easy for this group, which I think is a it's a good one to come away with. Um, the other one that I said is Bill is a million percent dead. R.I.P. to that Tony <laughs> dude. Honestly, I. They sent Tolkien sends uh, on a lighter note. Tolkien definitely sends Bill off in a way that like he got to the gates of Moria and was like, "Fuck, what do I have to? Do? I wrote this pony into the story for this long." Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Well, they have to let it go." He's like, "I'm." It's honestly kind of great because he's like, "He's like, oh, I get to use Sam as a conduit for like maybe the people will be like, well, why did you even bring this pony in the first place if you knew you had to take this path?" Like, yeah, like he obviously was like, oh, "I wrote myself in the corner with this pony." It's kind of a plot hole. Uh, Gandalf tells him a spell that he'll know the way back to thing, and maybe he'll get eaten by wolves. Okay, get out of here. Exactly. Yeah. And he's like, oh, and the pony senses it because that's a thing that ponies do. They're apparently smart. Right. That but, ponies that pony's so dead. Just 100 percent Like I, I I just thought it was so funny. They were fighting wargs like an hour ago. Yeah. Those, an hour ago. Those wargs are currently eating Bill. Yeah. <laughs> the freshly fattened up Bill from Rivendell. Oh yeah. He was he was in Bree. He was a sickly thing, but thankfully, with a lot of love and care from Sam, he got nice and plump for the wargs of <laughs> yeah. the Misty Mountains. Oh, sad. Poor Bill. Um, but no, I think you got I think you got the I think the takeaway we had from that chapter is, is pretty spot on. Um, how about Bridge of Casa Doom? I think the main takeaway from Bridge of Casa Doom is just kind of like 
you know, you're getting what you asked for kind of thing. Because as epic as the showdown between Gandalf and the Balrog was, that's what the, like, the, it was Durin's Bane. Like, the, the idea that something like that, not necessarily like that they knew that the Balrog was going to be down there, but something of great evil, they knew it was down there. Gandalf knew it the whole time. And mm -hmm. that's why Aragorn was like, I really, really, really don't want to go to Moria. I don't think it's a good idea. And Gandalf's like, well, I know the way, so shut up, Aragorn, we're doing it. Like, he just, yeah. he, he really... He got what he asked for by going down to Moria. He knew they dug too deep. He knew he wakened an evil. And the most famous dwarf of all time, Durin, met his end there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I agree. It's just kind of as, as I don't want to make it like cheapen it to the point where I'm saying like just like getting what you asked for, but it kind of is. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think this chapter was just like just a way. I mean, we the stakes were just raised in this chapter. Oh, immediately because up until now, the ring wraiths were bad. Mm -hmm. Nothing compared to this ball ride. Oh no. So it's just. Kind of opening your eyes more to this seemingly limitless world of imagination where there's always a bigger fish. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they found the biggest one. It's a shadow demon, seven stories tall yeah. with a fire whip. So that's what I thought about this chapter. The only other thing that I thought here was like, we give Boromir a lot of shit. Yeah. But he and Aragorn like charging back down the bridge to help Gandalf was like just like gave me the best kind of shivers you can get. Yeah, because they even they were shouting like, we are with you, Gandalf. And Gandalf had to like tell them to stay back behind the bridge. Like Boromir saw this thing and was like stanced up, ready to go, ready to fight about it. He's never seen it before. He never heard of it before. Yeah. He literally is introduced to the idea of it now. He just figured out what it was and he wanted to go fight it. You got to give him props for that. Yeah, absolutely. I That's why my uh, ride or die nomination for the week goes to Aragorn and Boromir as a team. That's a good one. I respect it. And it. I probably would have done the same thing, which is why I'm going to sideways a little bit. My uh, ride or die, and also a new segment, ride <laughs> or die of the week, who's the person that really showed friendship, companionship, and loyalty the most. I got to give it to Bill the Pony. <laughs> <laughs> that guy, really, he really did it best. He Given the option of riding or dying, he definitely did both oh, of those things. He rode, he rode hard. That <laughs> fucking pony traversed the Misty Mountains. He survived the Ford. He survived ring rates. And uh, you know what? He kind of just got literally thrown to the wolves because <laughs> yes. they couldn't bring him into the Mines of Moria. That is the greatest nomination that you could have possibly come up with this Phil week. Phil the Pony, RIP. We don't have any confirmation that he died, but let's use our brains, folks. Yeah, he's dead. He's dead. He's dead. If we get to the end of this book or end of the story and Bill the Pony is somehow <laughs> alive, I will lose my mind and I will rescind all slander against the plan to send him to the wolves. But until that happens, I will not eat crow. Okay, so what if, and there's no way that this is even Again, remotely he's possible. Dead. Yeah, he's 100% dead. But <laughs> imagine if the two eyes that Frodo is seeing behind them <laughs> is just Bill the Pony following them through Mordor. Bill the Pony climbing the tree. <laughs> oh my God. Oh shit. That's funny. <laughs> what's your uh, what's your Smeagol of the week? Smeagol of the week is just the bridge standoff yeah it was insane to read yeah. and i've seen the fellowship movie a million times it's always badass and stuff but reading it like the intensity of like seeing like this thing like the people's react the, the fellowship's reactionship to it too like it's so crazy so i was talking to somebody about about something kind of related to this today when you're reading are you seeing the movie characters in your mind yes and no uh it helps to have their faces um okay but when you see it read there's like there's a different like your mind does kind of like take its own shape to it. Like when he says like when like the Balrog spreads its wings of shadow and mm -hmm. then like a flame rises up, like you can take your own like mind to it and stuff. That's what, I, and that's why I said to, 
to who I was talking to was just like, I first of all, I don't see the movie characters at all. Like a lot of people are like, oh, the book's going to be ruined because all I'm going to see is like the characters from the movie in it. Like I, I don't have that problem. I never have. Like I, I just kind of like separate the two. But what I think is so great about those scenes where they're just so fantastical, like the Balrog Gandalf showdown, is your brain can just take you places a movie can't. Oh, yeah. Your brain doesn't have doesn't have a budget. What also helps that like Peter Jackson's was an interpretation. So because mm-hmm. it's described differently in the books, like right. Boromir doesn't necessarily look like Sean Bean, to be quite honest. He's a lot younger in the books. He's yeah. a lot like and like Boromir or like Sean Bean did a good job as Boromir, quite mm-hmm. frankly. But he, they're just not the same character in the book. Right. And Aragorn is described differently. Legolas is pretty spot on. Uh, but like, who, who cares really? You it know? doesn't really matter. But like in terms of like what you actually see in your mind, it's described different in the book. So you're, you're a little bit like allowed to detach your head from it. Yeah. And I, I just say I only say that just because in describing the Bridge of Casa Doom scene, I think it's important just to note that like that is such a good pick for your Smeagol of the Week because reading it, you can just take it so many. Mm-hmm. It can be so much larger than what you see on a movie screen. And Tolkien has allowed the suspense to build throughout the chapter of just like the doom. Doom, mm-hmm. doom. Staley just like he'll just put in three italicized dooms in the middle of like a random like description of them like running around right. to like let you know that oh they're still following them. Yeah. What's your golem? Golem of the week is um Gimli and Legolas being five year olds mm-hmm. all the time. Me too. They can just never turn it off. That would be mine as well. I I like I was so just like guys come on the fact that Aragorn had to like bonk their heads together like the three yeah. Stooges is just I I was. If anybody was watching me read, they would have said I was visibly upset. By yeah, that. like <laughs> no joke. I was just, oh my god! You like, you guys just saw someone die, and now Gimli, you're having an issue with someone blindfold. Like, grow the fuck up! Literally, like, like Boromir's annoying because he has bad ideas. Yeah. These two are annoying because they are literally bickering like children. Yeah, that would be my golem of the week. My my Smeagol of the week would probably be um, just all of the Lothlorien descriptions. Yep, I I knew you like. That we were either going to do the bridge or yeah. that, so I'm I'm glad you picked that one. It's it's so perfect. It's so it's it's some of the best literature I've ever read in my entire life. Um, that is pretty much it. I think. Uh, next week I think we're going to finish it up. We're closing it up. The last four chapters are super short, yep. so we're just going to rifle through with all of it and close out fellowship. So stay tuned for that. More news coming out is um the following week. I believe we are going to do a recap. We're going to do a recap of the whole story and talk about the movie. Okay, I already, I already talked to my mom about coming on, too. Awesome. So I, I think we're going to have Keely on. We have to have uh, Keely on after every book to fully digest. Our in-house Tolkien scholar. Oh, <laughs> the knowledge is without it. All right. That is all I've got. It's been a pleasure. As always, thanks for listening, folks. Cheers. Cheers.